I'm E. I'm Rob. I'm Mike Eagle. Yes, yes. Welcome to the next movement, folks. Fly with my devices charged. I eat an edible and write some bars. A script illegible, it's nice and large. And now I wake up when the lights come on. I'm really feeling out of crisis card. It's one, two, counting vacation days. And day one, outrun annihilation ways. And day two, rescue a HBCU. And day three, it's a Haiti with a Haitian Davis. One, two, middle aged poster child. I heard I gotta put the potion down. I heard it's time to put the vocals in. I need to try and get new approach again to really know how it's supposed to sound. It's one, I'm in the Jungle like Axel Rose, and if you float through the hood, keep your capsule closed. If you roll through again, it'll suck you in. You hit a pump, pump, jump into an action pose. Just one, two, trying to get my heart restored. I need some money in the harpsichord. Sent to the dummy in apartment for it. Fitty wanna give us out for blood, then I will run at you across the floor. It goes. It'll be endless. I will fight you every day. Mike Eagle, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, we of course. really appreciate it. We're honored. Yes, yes. I'm a fan of, of uh, I was about to say every rap podcast, but that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. I was about to tell a big lie. There are yeah. some rap podcasts that I am not a fan of, but this is not one of those. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. We, we really appreciate you coming through. So Rob and I met you last fall um, at Silk City when you did this show with Fat Boy Sharif in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we approached you say hello and like quickly after we did you said yes i want to do the podcast yep. and i think we were both surprised you and look surprised we were both like wait really what um shout out to fat boy sharif because i know that he put in a good word that's that's the homie mm-hmm. and yeah so we're, we're grateful to him but i wanted us to to start the conversation there and talk a little bit about the experience of seeing you live for the first time i think what made it so enjoyable for me, aside from the music, was watching you on stage. So I snapped a few flicks of you with my camera so I could capture you doing your thing because you just look so happy and free. I have this one image of you dancing on stage while the music is playing. So your eyes are closed and your arms are up and your hands are out. And it just feels like you're in your own world, vibing to the music. It's a really beautiful picture. I can send it to you later if you want. I would um, like to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a few. So, but my question here is, is do you always experience a sense of freedom and joy like that when you're performing? Um, I had to learn how to embrace that. Mm. That was there. Um, I started out performing in a manner that was so cerebral, mm-hmm. uh, so technical, uh, so my whole front brain being, let re- let me remember all of these words. Let me try to hit the right notes on these hooks. And then, uh, so, okay. After I decided I didn't want to perform with a DJ anymore, and this was very early on, this was like two years into touring, maybe. What I started doing was running my beats off of my phone Mm. through a DJ mixer into the house. And, And the reason I did that was that I could just do my own drops with the faders. That, that changed everything for me. Mm. Um, because it gave my body more of a way to be engaged in the show. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of developed to the rig I have now where, you know, I, I run a, um, I run an Ableton session. I control it with launch pad. I'm triggering things, cutting the music, sequencing everything mm-hmm. right there. Some very in it, but even that, like it was a lot of trying to occupy my brain and, and stay uh, engaged in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a tendency to, daydream to dissociate (laughs) and go away and i think it was really watching uh rap ferrera 
develop even mm. when in his own Milo days. We did a lot of touring. Like I, you know, some of his first tours to watching his whole thing really happen. And it was one day we were doing a show together somewhere and I was just watching how him hearing his music on stage, like you can see it kind of unlock him. Mm. And he really made that space his own. Um, uh, Elucid did a similar thing when I toured with him. It's kind of watching watching them take up the space that's available to them, which is something as humans, we don't often get the opportunity to do, you know? So like part of my whole thing in the last few years is to like own the amount of space that I am offered as a creative, you mm -hmm. know, instead of like always trying to shrink down into like, you know, regular person mode. Um, yeah. I try to take advantage of opportunities where I can be bigger than myself. And and the stage is like the opportunity that I'm offered most frequently to do that. Mm, so you had to learn how to give yourself freedom in that mm. sense. Mm. Learn from watching other free folk how to mm. be free. At the show we saw you, you ended the set with CD only bonus track and kind of turned it into a freestyle session between you and Dave and Sharif. And watching it, I felt like you came even more alive during that freestyling. It seemed like you kind of leveled up energy wise. Did I imagine that, or would you say that's that's accurate? That's accurate. Um, you know, I think in accordance with what I, what I was just saying, the most recent evolution of that has been uh, putting these controlled demolition moments into my set. Like, just I used to do a lot of like city-based topical freestyling, just to let just the kind of freestyling where like it's just it's it's basically the whole function of it is to let people know that you're freestyling so that they get more into it so you know you say a bunch of local shit talk about the pizza shop whatever the fuck but there is another i think you put it you put it a great way there's just another level of energy offered to me if i take advantage of the opportunity to just go free mm. just go somewhere and, you know, I've learned that that satisfies the same thing about me being able to take up the creative space. But it even, I think it gives people an even more an even more robust experience than the kind of local freestyle materials and stuff that I've been doing for years. Yeah. So it sounds like it changes the energy in the room, maybe, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I think free, freestyling kind of does that in general, just because everybody knows it. Like this shit could go off the rails at any moment. <laughs> like, yeah, unpredictable. That, yeah, that edge, like that edge is engaging for people. That shit draws people in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. CD on this bonus, bonus track was mentioned. So let's talk about a tape called Component System with the Auto Reverse. I had to slow down to say that because I just knew I'd mess it up. You did um, it. <laughs> I did it. I did it. What an incredible album. I, I've listened to it so much this week and I love it more and more each time I do. And there's just so many reasons why. So... You did an interview with NPR towards the end of last year, and that dropped a few days before the project came out, and you discussed the album a bit and the direction you took with it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like this album allowed you to look back on the past while moving forward. <laughs> you use it both as a comfort and a learning experience, and it feels like that can be a hard balance to maintain, especially when the world we live in feels so chaotic and out of our control. Hmm. I know for myself in the last few years, I have use the past as a means of comfort and sometimes it can be very easy for me to get stuck there because i don't want to accept the reality i'm faced with now so i'm wondering if that's been true for you at times and how you generally manage to maintain a healthy relationship with the past 
um healthy relationship with the past i think that there's just some there are some conduits toward the past that are easier for me to navigate than others um mm. and music is one that i tend to have a foot in the past all the time because i'm always listening to old music that i like like that's just uh that's something that it's never gonna leave me it's just like there's certain albums uh yeah in various genres so like I, I go to them um and i think part of what the exploration of this album was is like those those albums are so important to me that in some ways they often don't seem connected to a time mm. Mm. they just feel connected to the the feelings that the projects give me like they're just mm -hmm. connected to the the specific endorphins that get released when i hear that music so there's no space time involved with it uh and so i think in a lot of ways i looked up in 2020 or 2021 and realized that like in some ways, I had lost sight of many aspects of the past that were nurturing to me. Hmm. And, you know, when I look at these 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 tapes, I got a couple of them open. But like this one, like this is a tape that broke. And I know for the people listening, they're not going to be able to see this. But theater of the mind, folks, theater of the mind. This is a this is a cassette <laughs> tape that broke completely in half that I had to like re-spool and like mummify it with masking tape so that it would stay together. And there's some of my favorite songs ever on here. And it's mm. it's like, there's this feeling that hip hop songs used to give me that I used to search for like, like 96, 97, like I would hear these, these, these radio shows and, and I would try to take in everything that these hip hop shows were playing, but then the, you know, like one out of every three songs, one out of every four songs, it would just give me this feeling. And those are the ones like I'd, I'd want to, like if I taped it, I'd want to take that song and put it on a different tape to just have like collections of these songs that gave me that feeling. And I think I lost sight of that feeling because a lot of, like even the fact that some of these people still make music today, a lot of it just, a lot of them just don't approach it that way anymore, let mm. alone the fact that like the industry as a whole has moved on to a different, uh, a different set of metrics. Um, so it's just very rare that I hear something that's like, oh yeah, this is what it was. And I went looking for it. And then like, I tried to use that feeling to inform music that I was making for the album. Mm -hmm. um, that's why it was really important to get Diamond D and not that I knew I was gonna be able to, but like he ended up being like the living conduit in a way. Like when he played, when I was at a session with him and he played the beat that ended up being I'll Fight You, I was like, that's it, mm -hmm. that's it. That's that feeling, mm. you know, and yeah, I don't like I don't think that a rap song has to be, you know, keep it real boom bap Timberland's uh, puffy coat classic, quote unquote, to give that feeling. It's just right. There's a there's a, there's a right. certain thing that just the music used to do. And I wanted to figure out how to keep making the music do that, even if it was just for me. And and that's kind of like, you know, that's that's how I connected to the past to kind of inform, you know, being present in a way. Mm. Mm. You're talking a lot about feeling, but I'm thinking about the writing. And when we discussed the album with Luke Bailey from Fly Fidelity, I said then that it just kind of feels to me or it seems to me that you've like figured out how to turn rumination into art. Mm. Well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
if I'm doing that, then I'm dead. That's that's a that I mean that sounds right. And I I didn't mean to interrupt. I don't know if that was, you know, where at the end of what you were saying. Listening to the album, it, it's clear that you you know, you're talking about sitting by yourself, thinking about the past and yesterday's, questioning things. In the process, you've given us this great album, and that like feels like a superpower to me. And, and I wonder if if that gives you a sense of like self assurance or a feeling of power to be able to like take things that you have found yourself thinking about and turn it into art. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's this question I've been trying to answer as an MC ever since I really started paying attention to rap music, or and 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 from the space of making it more than consuming it. Like, there's a kind of default setting that MCs have when they're writing like and for a long time the default setting especially in music that I was listening to the default was I am dope you are not dope mm -hmm. let me count the ways basically <laughs> like that was that's the whole yeah. like that was if if there was no subject matter chosen for a song that's what would flow out of the pen mm -hmm. of most rappers that I right. liked and what I've been searching for for years was a different default because competition is great but it's not what does it for me necessarily um and it's not necessarily what i want to perpetuate like and and, and everything in it in its hour right like if it's time for that it's time for that but like i never wanted that to be my default mm -hmm. um and so i do think that i've been striving this whole time to find what happens when i turn on the faucet what comes out hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, what you're, what you're describing is that, and, and I don't know if it's done evolving, if it's landed where it's going to land, but I do think like, that's the direction is to try to figure out like, how do I make my experience as a human being, just those, how do I make that valuable enough so that me putting that into rhyme form and recording it and putting it out on a record doesn't feel like a waste of everyone's time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so like that's that's the journey. So I, I think, you know, you just you pointed out something very insightful for me. When did you feel like you were confident that you did that? I've never felt confident that mm. I did that. I've had moments like if you ask me what my favorite song I ever made is, it's a song called Dishes on my second mm -hmm. album where like I'm I'm rapping about how when I do the dishes, I think about everything. And in that case on that day I was thinking about as I was washing the dishes I was thinking about how I was going to write a song about washing the dishes and just like the execution of that was like an ex it was like uh it was like a proof of something like it was it was like oh there's something here you know like th there's there's a there there I can I this this search is is born some fruit and mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of guided me in a direction too you know it's interesting to hear you talk about this because I've been trying to figure out what makes you feel so accessible to me mm -hmm. when I'm listening to your music, because you feel like a very accessible artist. So when, you know, Rob mentioned we had Luke Bailey from Fly Fidelity in the podcast, we were talking about component system. I said that to them, you know, when I'm listening to your music, it feels like I'm sitting across the table with a, with a good friend catching up. Mm. And I don't necessarily know that that's solely related to your vulnerability or the references you make that I relate to, but it just feels like that's who you are and how you deliver as an artist. I'm wondering if you've ever heard that from other people. Um, I sense that. I haven't heard it in those words a lot, but I sense it. How so? I've I've heard myself described as within indie rap, like an everyman. 
Mm-hmm. And that used to offend the shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, cause, because <laughs> I, I took that, especially when I didn't understand what they meant. I took it as like, oh, does that mean I'm not as challenging as so-and-so? Does that mean mm-hmm. I'm not as interesting? Does it mean, you know, I'm not as adventurous or, you know, but it, it took me a while, to, but I think I finally figured out what they meant. And mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, if I'm to be honest, I think that indie rap is filled with a lot of pretense. Mm. And I don't have much of that because I don't like it. Like, I don't like it. I really don't. Like, I I have a I have this thing where, like, I think people are valuable as they are. Right. Like, I think, you know, just 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 the the uniqueness of human beings and how like all of us are having this weird experience on the planet and none of us know where we came from where the fuck we're going and we're all just having these experiences navigating pain and joy and laughter and loss and and everybody is this unique combination of these experiences and like I love that about people. Like, I think any person can be the, like, can be the center of, of an interesting story, you know, and they probably are. Mm-hmm. And given that I don't like when I get the sense that people are, there's, there's a rap group and I'm not going to say their name, but I don't like them and I don't know them and I don't like them because, because I think that what they do is try to make what they're doing look, look fit for a museum exhibit but not by doing anything really moving or like, <laughs> or, or especially creative, but right. just by like, I, I feel like when they're making music, they're thinking about the words that they would type on the panel that's next to their live installation. It's in the wall. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like, I, like I get that game, but to me, yeah, that's a game. Yeah. And when I say something is art rap, I'm talking about people who are juicing their real lives. Like Serengeti, the shit that that motherfucker be saying. Yeah. Like, if you like, oh man, like, and and I, you know, he does so many characters. I think people sometimes overlook the brilliance of Serengeti, the artist, and the, mm. and the, the paintings that he makes as rap songs and the shit that he puts in them. God, just such a unique Black American creative Mm. with with no he doesn't he don't feel like he owes any aesthetic anything to anybody like he he he's he's completely like a master of the craft of being himself mm. and to me like that's the art shit that's the art mm. you know not putting on a fucking plague doctor mask and and haunting people in a museum like I, that's that's not <laughs> That's not what I meant. I don't like that. And I, I, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's a game and I get it. Um, cause there's a lot of money to be made that way. Yeah. But I don't like that shit. Yeah. And, and I think that what I, what my music tends to put forward is whatever is the opposite of that. Like I value your time mm. and I value mm. my thoughts. And I think that that's, that's, a, that's the, that's enough value. Like we don't need to, yeah. you know, add, gold flakes to it like there's already something there yeah Yeah, anything else is extra yeah i love that Mm. i also appreciate how you answered the question what the fuck is art rap in that response (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) speaking of that i'm sorry were you gonna say something no i wasn't (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) speaking of that i want to ask you about i retired then i changed my mind (laughs) 
I've been thinking about retiring. Looking back, I sure could have used a good rivalry. I hated some folks, but they kept it too catchable. I had a couple ops, but they was all supernatural. Getting too old. My first album title might have been too bold. I conjured up a gremlin. How do I get rid of you? What the fuck is art rapping every damn interview? I could have had a better stage show. Kept rocking with Pro and also had Dave though. Hellfire Brothers used to talk about stagecraft instead. We just drop bangers people could rage at. I popped in the jewels flew. I wear gold chains that can't jump like I used to. I'm one man climbing chains. The sea levels plummet. Photos of the show dropping. I got a big stomach. We spoke to Child Actor right before your album was about to drop. He mentioned... From his perspective, you've written some of the most vulnerable lyrics on the album to one of his beats. Mm. And he's referring to, I retired, then I changed my mind. We talked to him about, from his perspective, like what he thought it was about the production that might allow an artist like you to explore certain things emotionally. And um, he had some trouble answering that, which is understandable. But I want to ask you, like, what do you think it was in particular about that beat that led to your decision to use for a song like I Retired? I have no idea. And this is the trouble with me in interviews. And <laughs> I've talked about this before, but the part of me that, 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 that first gets the spark is not the part of me to sit here talking to you right now. Yeah. And I am not very good at accessing or, or documenting the inspiration that came when I was open to inspiration in that moment. Like there's just, there's just a lot of uh, layers of me between the person who can sit and talk to you now and the person who was listening to that beat and for some reason wrote, I've been thinking about retiring. I have no idea why I wrote that that day. Mm. What I can remember more viscerally in this moment is just the bop of the beat. Yeah, The bop of the beat made me feel like I wanted to have a conversation. And for some reason that day, I wanted to have a conversation about retiring. Okay. And, and you know, my hard drives are filled with, conversations that I don't feel so proud of later sometimes. I mean, and, and not ashamed, but just like, Oh, that, that conversation was, but is between me and myself, but that's mm -hmm. not really for people. Yeah. Um, but that one, like, I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is a good contextualization of something that I feel like is, is going to be interesting to people. No. Mm -hmm. I have a question about burner account. This is a song on component system where you're joined by Arm and Hammer. Mm -hmm. There's something Wood says on here that I can't get out of my head. <laughs> and I've been thinking about for like all week, even before that. So I'm going to read it and it's sure. probably going to sound very masterpiece theater because I'm not a rapper, <laughs> but here we go. In this studio, talking crazy for a check, Stephen A. Smith, brother said he got to get it get while it there's there to there get. To get. He wasn't there when they was shooting in the jacks, I bet. But every project sounded like he was rushing to the next. He the type of, to bag it up wet, fuck up the package and blame the connect. Thanks for those ad libs and the support. So I will never present my own interpretation of Woods's work as truth, but I feel like this is commentary on how folks are moving in hip hop. I think he often off offers up cautionary tales and here I'm picking up on the qu the quality over quantity argument. So you've talked about feeling like you're at a crossroad when you turn 40 because mm -hmm. you felt that hip hop is a culture that has always been led by the youth and having that conversation with yourself. I'm wondering if you consider the wisdom you and other 
folks like Woods who've been doing this for a while could offer to those who are new to this. And I'm not trying to make you sound old. I'm but old. I, but <laughs> I think you're someone that folks could really learn from. And ultimately, I think that benefits the culture. I, I mean, you know, the problem, <laughs> this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. Yeah, there's a lot to learn. But God, could anybody use the shit I learned? Because everything's all different now. Yeah. Like, to me, the main lesson is still, because this, because I often think in terms of, in moments where I consider myself some sort of weird superhero, I'm like Goku or Superman, where I'm from some other planet that blew up, and I'm like the only survivor. And I feel like I'm from three or four different planets that exploded. Mm -hmm. All of those planets were full of people who wanted to have a career in hip hop, who were completely dedicated to this culture and the art and the craft a lot of them were dope a lot of them were way doper than me and when i think about why some substantial amount of those people didn't survive is because they couldn't finish shit hmm. so like that's that's to me that's always the main lesson is like that shit you've been working on finish it hmm. now the problem is what you do after that step has changed so much since I started that like it's difficult for me to tell somebody younger than me what's the next step after that right. finished thing is in hand. You know, so I feel like young people can teach me shit when it comes to that. Hmm. Um, but to me, like my main my old my old sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair lesson is finish that shit. Elucid said, how many gods do I remind you of? Debate amongst yourselves. Yourselves, yourselves, yourselves. Yeah, did that make you smile like it made me smile when you first heard that? Everything that they both said made me smile and also made me scared. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. When it came to that track, Burner Count, which came first? You, your verse? Did you write your verse before you heard yeah. theirs? Yeah, Yeah, I, I wrote it and then I sent it to them and said, go nuts. Okay. And do you remember what your reaction was when you, I mean, besides the fear and the smile. Do you remember what your reaction was when you got theirs back? I kind of felt like I made a mistake letting them go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt like, oh yeah, right. They did what well, of course they were gonna do. They fucking devastated the track. And <laughs> and I don't get to come in again. Um <laughs> but it was, you know, it's 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 like I gosh, man, there's just like a lot of brilliance in this scene. Mm. And you know, more than even the song, which I love, like, I just love, I have a relationship with them and I love how, how far it goes back. Mm. You know, I love that we keep running into each other, you know, yeah. like that makes me happy. And so like, yeah, like they killed that song. Mm -hmm. mm. There will be another song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like, that's, that's the part that's like heartwarming and exciting at the same time. It's like, yeah. We'll always have another opportunity to get busy. Yeah. Mm. That keeps going. Yeah. I know you've said that um spending time with other rappers, collaborating with other rappers was important to you for this for this album. That relationship that you're talking about, I think, comes through with all of them. All of you sound like you, you know each other, that you are comfortable with each other, and that you're having fun. That's something that has really along with the the sort of conversational aspect, really drawn me into the album. Yeah, I mean it's it's important. That's one thing that age gives me a very clear insight on is the importance of relationships. I don't know. I feel really fortunate when I think about that. Like, 
when I think about the relation. I just it's funny because I just wrote a song about that recently, and like mm-hmm. the next thing y'all will hear from me, that'll be on it. But I was just literally thinking about how far my relationships go back with these people, especially the people I worked with on that project. And like when I think of the scene, you know, when I think of like Primrock and Curly Castro and Mo Nichols and MC Frontalot and Aesop Rock. And, and, and you know it's just, it's not like it's just one scene. It's 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 different people who've, who've been around and done their own thing. But it's just like, you know, I I daydream about a convention. <laughs> you know, I daydream <laughs> about like gathering everybody to one place, sharing best practices, doing dope shows, everybody interviewing each other. Like you know, like because mm-hmm. I, I think we really represent something robust and good like you know homeboy sandman uh illingsworth like serengeti it's just so so many luminaries in this and we you know for the most part we all fuck with each other which is unheard of Mm -hmm. you know i just had this image of you all i can't remember what it is i don't know if it's like it was like some nba ceremony but do you all remember whenever all the like greats came back. They had these jackets on. Michael Jordan was there. He was 50. talking to everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 50, 50 greatest players. Yeah. That that's y'all. Like, that's I mean, yeah, 50, I 50 greatest indie players. I'll take it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just it. like the joy that you're talking about, just like the the community. That's what I pictured in my head just now. I will wear that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite bars from Component System is from 79th and Stony Island. Um, that also happens to be one of my favorite songs on the project. On here you say, the cure isn't in a test tube. It's the sound of my son belly laughing in the next room. For me, there's so much packed into that one line. And it feels like you're giving people a, a glimpse of of your world through this little window you, you've created. I'm wondering if moments like this, the one you're describing here with your son, have kept you grounded and also served as a reminder for you to to slow down and appreciate what's right in front of you or in the next room when the world outside of your bubble is overwhelming. I think I think there's something to that for sure. I think I'm mostly just proud of myself for capturing because that was a real moment. And I think that moment yeah. might have been while I was I was either writing or recording. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he was he's playing video games with his friends. He's on his headset and they're just laughing and joking and I don't know yeah. what happened but he just started belly laughing and like it it just it it like reached to me like even mm. past just the sound of it like just being in awe of having made a person that still mm. has never left me and being a parent like just <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that has never left me and it's yeah. like oh man like I don't know like just I, I love that he feels safe enough Mm. To, to laugh like that like yeah. it's just, there, there's a lot to it and I think I try to go through life having some measure of gratitude for those moments anyway but I I really like that I put it in the song yeah. like mm-hmm. I, I really like that I got caught that moment out of the air yeah this goes right here mm-hmm. you know you described the moment as real it felt real like yeah. it made me stop and I was like oh damn it just felt so person personal yeah, it really resonated with me. It's also something that I think anyone who's a parent like can relate to. I know for me, I was like, yeah, I know that feeling. Like, I know mm-hmm. what he's talking about. I'm not a parent, but... <laughs> but but you get it. <laughs> I get it. And, and but also just black boy joy. Yes. I, you know, your yes. son laughing in the next yes. room, like you said about, you know, the fact that he feels safe to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I really appreciated that. Yeah, there is a societal component to that. And and I'm not even sure I fully fleshed it out, but it was why that moment meant a lot to me. Mm. Before we go into the next segment, I, I wanted to just touch base on the work that you do with with your podcast, specifically what had happened was um, just because I really admire the work that you do. Um, mm-hmm. This is such a great show. It's it's so well done and informative. I really respect what you do as a journalist. I don't know if you consider yourself to be one, but I've learned so much from the conversations you've had with folks on here. And I have often used episodes as a research tool when I'm prepping for my own mm-hmm. podcast. Um, and maybe this goes back to what I mentioned about your personality earlier, but it just seems like people you host trust you and feel really comfortable when they're engaging with you. You get them to open up, tell their stories, which I don't always think is an easy thing to do. How has hosting this show changed your relationship with hip hop? Ooh, that is a big question. Um, <clears throat> I think that I, I, I said something earlier about how the music I love, I don't often associate it with time. Mm. I think going along with that, I often don't associate it with human beings that had to make these decisions and went through shit to put it together. Mm-hmm. And like, they're so timeless to me. These people are giants to me. You know, they're they're the the celestials. Like they're they're not human beings. They're gods walking the earth into like you know, I'm talking to Prince Paul and he's telling me about making a prince among thieves like in his mother's basement or some shit. Like, like, and I'm like, what are you saying to me? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? You mean, you you mean to tell me they didn't give you a, a $5 million and, you know, put you in the biggest, you know, like, no, like he's, telling me how he's getting on the phone with people and telling them how to like do the or and he's telling them to do verses not even telling them what they're for and he's just stitching it all together on his like the the magic of that the magic of these creatives like people these are people yeah these are people whose parents don't understand what the fuck they're doing at all (laughs) um who in a lot of cases the industry may or may not give a shit about that are making these moments and it's like you don't know when you're doing something that is going to be a classic, but like mm-hmm. you just hear the level of commitment and digging down deep and fighting through adversity that went into these projects. And it just puts them in this whole other light, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, yeah, it just really changes my relationship to the music. Cause I can put it in a time space with people and struggles and joy and pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's endlessly giving for me in that way. I think it's the same way for me as a listener. Just as an aside, I love mm-hmm. I love your podcast, and I don't listen to podcasts because um, thank you because it kind of fucks with my head when it comes to our own show. So no, I bet um, I bet I've listened to what had happened was, and then I immediately go back to the music that you guys are talking about because now I have a different perspective. You know who needs to understand that? Spotify. So they can pay me money, do my show on their network. Look, look, we're built in. Okay, we're going to keep people on the app. It's called retention. <laughs> That's right. That's fucking right. I hope they're listening. Yeah, they. I, I say this to their faces. They don't get it. You know? <laughs> just fuck hey. up your mind, please. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Yo, let me fuck up your mind. All time, showing you the rhythm as I get wrecked and get raw. Yeah, I need the man coming on very raw. It's supposed to ride, giving you much more. So, yo, 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 one more time, I come. I'm knucklehead flow that make you act real dumb. Yo, yo, I'll burn your crew like Lawrence. 
like cocaine. Insane to your brain. I, right on your subconscious, I leave my shit stay. I beat the motions with rhyme overdoses. I'm stepping over shit like I need the Moses. Sick lyrics like multiple sclerosis. Focus while I display flows ferocious. Weak niggas just fall and keep tumbling. Distribute lyrics like I'm hand to hand earth hustling. Hardcore like Rick Draw, McGraw. But what you heard, you ain't heard this before. You know, it's funny, a second ago, I was like, why am I thinking about Buster Rhymes so much? And like, cause my brain had tuned out the fact that he's behind you, you know, like, like, why? Oh, oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Every episode, we spend the second half of the show talking about an album chosen by our guest for whatever reason. And tonight we are talking about Buster Rhymes, The Coming. So Mike Eagle, we ask everybody this, why are we talking about this album? So I was a kid. I grew up in hip hop. So I grew up on the South side of Chicago. The first rap song I ever heard was my mama playing easy E for me when I got in her car in like 1986 or seven. Mm -hmm. So mine was, my mind was fucking blown. Like I was sitting there like, am I even supposed to be listening to this? <laughs> Clearly not. Like this is awful and incredible and intriguing and superheroic and disgusting. Like all at the same time. Like, and, and that I liked easy. I, there was a lot of rap when I was little, I didn't like, and to me it was because when I think about it, like I grew up in the hood. I grew up in like the crack era on the South side of Chicago. Like I felt like a lot of the hip hop I was hearing was just so reflective of what the fuck was going on outside my window that was dangerous and whack. And like, I just didn't, I just didn't connect to it. Like I, yeah. I wanted escapism in music. So I listened to a lot of rock music. I listened to rock music almost exclusively from when I was like nine to maybe like eight, nine to like 13, 14, like straight alternative music. Stone Temple Pilots, right? All that. Yeah. Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, REM, Primus, They Might Be Giants, like all of that. Like, that's what I wanted to hear because it wasn't what was outside my window. It, like, it, it was like, it was inspiring my imagination to think about mm. shit other than the gunfire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's what right. I needed at the time. Um, yeah. It hit 94. I ended up getting... And I forget how, I think I just had a close friend that maybe had these albums and I borrowed them or something. It was Common's Resurrection. Mm. It was The Roots, Do You Want More? It was Old Dirty Bastards Return to the 36 Chambers. And it was Midnight Marauders. Mm. And like all of those, they just changed everything. I was like, ah, oh, this is, I, I don't know what I've been resisting this whole time, but like <laughs> this shit here is all I ever want forever. And it just completely drew me in. Like there was something about like the, the, colors on the covers and these like blues like like jazz samples and these upright basses and like this is what i want and 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 on top of that a lot of these artists felt like they were having fun that's what i was missing out of a lot of the hip-hop i was hearing it was fun it was so doom and gloom all the damn time um so the fun really drew me in and so like i borrowed i think three of those albums i think i bought and i bought midnight marauders and I want to say the next album I bought after that was it the coming coming was like ninety six I think so maybe it yeah. wasn't so like yeah. I think I bought I think I bought like Jizza in between then and maybe some other Wu Tang stuff but um the coming was one of the first albums because a lot of that stuff I think I was going back and buying right like it's ninety five mm -hmm. like I'm going back and buying Midnight Marauders I'm going back and buying uh, Fuji's first album like um the coming was one of the first albums where like 
the first song I heard from it was Flip Mode Squad versus Def Squad on like underground rap radio. I was like, wow. what is yeah. this? <laughs> Who are all of these people? This is insane. And Buster comes through just smashing it at the end. I was like, this yeah. is crazy. And then I saw the video for Wuha and I was like, I want this. I just want to watch this all the time. I want to watch him and his Jordan 11s and his his pigtails and his fisheye lens. I just want to watch this. I love that Tribe is in it and all like, you know, and, and it's just like, this is amazing. And then I heard the JD Wuha bounce remix mm. at the place where I used to go and break dance and, and cypher like they would have a DJ to come play music while people were breaking. And I heard that beat and I like stopped. It's like, what the fuck is, who is this? And I didn't even find out immediately. Like I ended up going and getting the Wuha Maxi single. And JD, when Jake Diller, when he was JD, had yeah. two beats on it, two Wuha remixes on it. And then I ended up getting the album. And it's just like, it's like one of the first ones where I was like, while I'm like loving hip hop, there's a album on a major label with underground singles and mainstream singles, hmm. and it's catching fire. And I am just front row for it. And when the album came out, I just could not get enough, could not get enough of this album. Hmm. Just played it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like some, like just, I have memories of wearing out Walkman batteries, like playing this tape constantly. Yeah. And it's just lived in my heart since then. I was going to ask you if you like, if part of your relationship with him, like if, if some of it relied on his like visual efforts, like his music videos. Cause that when I was a kid, that's the shit that drew me to him. Um, yeah, it, wow. did. I mean, it was like one of the things where, so, you know, I've always been a little bit of a black sheep of the family, like my blood family musically. I was always off into my weird shit. Um, the video for Wuha was so affecting that like me and my sister who didn't fuck with none of the music I fucked with, we made up a whole dance routine. <laughs> oh shit. She was so into it too. Yeah. You know, like, and it was because of the video, like it, it was like his bigger than life personality and the way they shot him and the way he was moving and the clothes and the colors and all of that. Yeah. Wow. Did you the what about the remix with ODB? Uh, I love that, too. I didn't hear that <laughs> until after the fact, because I don't was that on the maxi single? I can't remember. Did you see the video ever? The video. Yeah. But this is the thing. The when that when that video was in rotation on Rap City, um, I had a stolen cable situation, so I had I was watching oh. shit half scrambled. Uh, so so I didn't really really see it until like a few <laughs> years after that. Oh shit, that shit was bananas. Yeah, the silver paint wow. and all that shit. Yeah, they yeah, looked insane. That was wild. They look like I feel like they were on acid. Yeah, uh, I feel like made me feel like I was on acid. Yeah, I was, I was right, a child. Right, right. I no, no, idea right. What that would have yeah. felt like. That was the thing for me about Buster though. Was like he was funny and he was like silly and goofy even in a way that same, same with all dirty for me same with same all dirty yeah yeah, yeah 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 um same but different somehow like and that at that time for me like i didn't know that existed in hip-hop like i guess along the lines of what you were saying mike like that's what kind of drew me into bustle like of course he's this larger than life character but he's also like he's funny like he's, he's super funny yeah. it was fun right mm. that uh that reminds me of a, a i don't i don't i'm not usually around people who would understand this man so i i love the uh boot camp click of course mm -hmm. 
but I just described to y'all the era with which I got into hip hop. And so I had, had never heard Black Moon at that point. And I'd never heard, um, before Helter Skelter, who was, what was the other group that they put out? Uh, Smith and Wesson. I hadn't heard much Smith. I heard a couple songs, but I hadn't heard. So, but in the, in the era in which I'm paying the most attention to Rap City, they drop uh, the Lafleur Lafly Skoshka video mm. with Helter Skelter and OGC. Mm-hmm. And this is my first visual, my first time seeing anything from the bootcamp click. And they were having so much motherfucking fun in that yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. I got the complete yeah. wrong idea about who these people were <laughs> on that video. The complete I bought that album. I was like, oh, this is this is this is very um this is very cloudy music. This is not happy. This is not happy fun time at all. And I and I appreciate it because I, I just love, you know, rock and rock and seeing and then I ended up getting getting through all the black moon, uh going back getting black moon. Um, getting Smith and Wesson. OG, that OGC album is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think about how just that little bit of fun they were having in the video. I was like, yeah, I want it. Yeah. Because yeah. it just wasn't, that wasn't what I saw a lot of. And and I wonder to this day, like how they felt about that. Mm-hmm. Being mm-hmm. like, it, at least for that couple of months, these five tough guys are being marketed as kind of fun loving. Like not like far side fun loving, but like, right. They're having a good time yeah. on a on a on a white psych screen like they're just kicking it like and it's just like, yeah. like it's all vibes i'm like that really drew me in i wonder like whose choice that was and how they felt about it you know hmm. yeah i always thought sean price was funny but in a slightly different way like yeah and he yes and i think he later on he started embracing his humor more yeah yeah you know like where you saw like he did a little michael jackson thing in the video like <laughs> and, and you know but and i think later on he really leaned into the humor but you know they were they were they were serious guys yeah all on those albums well, we no- nocturnal pretty pretty dark album yeah I, and i loved it but yeah like yeah. It, it, it uh yeah i came into it with a different expectation based on that video mm-hmm. i think it was always understood too that sean price was funny but he would still whoop your ass exactly yes. so yeah. like it was it was like known yeah. right yeah all of them dudes are huge all of them yeah. Like except Buckshot, all the rest of them were like six five. Like yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> Buckshot. <laughs> when you picked this album, I was reminded how much I love the cover for it. Um, oh, so good. I don't know, like, did did that really matter for you when you were when you used to buy um, physical music? Yeah. You know why it did? Because there was a there was a shot in the video for Wuha where he was like fixing himself in what looked like a framed mirror, and it's like that's the cover, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. making that connection. I was like, yes, yeah. yes, give it to me, give it to me now. Yeah. You know, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, he's very photogenic too. Yeah, he loved that camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was looking at old pictures of him when I was deciding to pick my background. And Great, great choice, like, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Took me, there were so many good ones to choose from is what I was trying to say because he just took so many great photos. We were talking about what had happened was previously and shift in perspective that doing that has has given you 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 talked to dante ross about lons didn't really get into buster's solo album because dante wasn't really involved but Mm -hmm. i wonder if there was anything from that conversation that like surprised you did you learn something new about buster in talking to dante well i'm i think if 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 i'm to think about that conversation how it relates to this album like just getting such an understanding of the problems that they were having in the group 
Yeah. It made it even more magical that he got them together for this album because yeah. clearly this was his launch pad and a solo success. And so many people that were going to hear this that would have had no idea who leaders of the new school were. Like, it really felt like kind of magnanimous to him to invite them back on this album. And I really like that song a lot too. Mm-hmm. I really like that song, Keep It Moving, yeah. a ton. Um, so yeah, put that in another light for sure. Now don't get me wrong, chill. Hear me out, no question, no doubt. Your bizarre is a drought. I've come to wet the party like a tropical depression. Mental aggression for this musical session. Stressing, testing, second guessing, who's fessing? Life is a lesson in disguise like a blessing. Licking, kicking, better backed up chickens. Digging stunts, but I keep it real, fried wine. Square feet and cubic. We're all making pennies off a record, so who makes the paper? Who's the man in Manhattan lamping in the skyscrapers? How much can a nigga take before he break full? I play it cool with the new school and the tool to examine my unorthodox pattern. From Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And don't forget Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Flow deeper than the lava inside a volcano, bro. Never say never is it rather ironic sipping gin juice and tonic like Sean Kemp with some hip super sound and sonic baby above your head below your feet and it's still wimp see Boogie Brown my shit is brilliant yeah I remember listening to Dante talk about the dynamics in the group and being like Charlie Brown came back and did a verse on the coming that's mm-hmm. that's impressive it is Yeah, it is like it just shows you like you you know, it, it shows you the amount of shit that could, can be going on behind the scenes that you have no idea about. And it shows mm-hmm. you, like, how much shit people can get over when it makes sense for them to do so. You yeah. know, like, it, it, you can really, you know, you can you can put a lot of shit to bed for a moment if it's, you know, if it's being done the right way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike Eagle, this has been phenomenal. I'm gonna um, have to do it again sometime. I have to make yeah. another album that y'all like a lot, and then y'all Shit. will have me back to talk about that one, and then we can pick <laughs> another album that I like a lot that I didn't make, and we can talk about that one too. <laughs> Anytime, you are welcome back. Anytime. Yeah, this was awesome. a lovely conversation, and we I agree. We appreciate you. Yeah. Before we go, is there anything that you want the folks to know about upcoming projects, tour dates, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Um, Salt Lake City, February 28th. There it is. Go if you're in the area. Or if you're not. Or if you're not. Fly out. Flying is flying is legal. You can do it. Yeah. Train, train or automobile. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, folks. This has been the next movement. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace. Once old. I'm half ghost, half baby. The fat lady sang it was bars I ghost wrote. Trying to make my way to Mars so I can sell dope guilt free. Project buildings built me. And I done felt everything except free. It's too much trauma, it's not a rom-com Counting the dust bunnies on the end of the pom-poms Big mom's oxtails, get down Roswell Swans get carpet bombed with blonde bombshells I used to hate Los Angeles and scared of police as part of a weight loss regimen And I'm spent from force radio hellos Making sure the bass slaps the day old cello In my hood, watch for enemy headbands Sick folks cop glittery bad pants Hand in my nose like I'm literally red man you do the homework. My corner so flamed up, my Bluetooth don't work. Got caught trying to pay for a YouTube growth spurt that's illegal. 
hold the other latch key, fool, I wrote the jingle. Call it, get a bonus, make it a maxi single. I talk big shit, but not quite bilingual. Tell my grandkids the regular flu was hot. Dudes hit in a computer, ducking a booster shot. You saw it too, but you forgot. Submersible with the wolf of jumping. If it's pressure, that's where the cook could come in. A couple onions, something pungent. Christmas like...